Welcome into the fourth episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know after the buzzer sounds at the end of a sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you tonight on January 10th, 2018, welcoming listeners into the fourth episode of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. I'm here tonight with my guest co-host, Brian Farlow. Welcome to the show once again, Brian. Thank you, Will. It's a pleasure to be here. We are going to get into various key subjects tonight, starting with the Illinois State Redbird men's and women's basketball teams and where they both stand at this point in their seasons. The college football title game took place this past weekend. We will recap that game and touch on our views from it. The Chicago Bears officially hired Matt Nagy as the team's 16th head coach in franchise history. We will touch on how this improves the Bears moving forward as well as answering questions of whether the Bears can build a staff under Nagy that will feature Vic Fangio. How do recent trade rumors of Nikola Mirotic affect the Chicago Bulls just before the NBA trade deadline? What can we expect to see from Zach Levine as he gets set for his upcoming Bulls debut this weekend? The show will close out with the Will Sports Movie Moment. So Brian, we're going to start here with the Illinois State men's basketball team. They just finished action at home hosting Loyola Chicago. They fell 68-61. to And I think we were watching that game a little bit before the show here tonight. And this Redbird team, they're coming in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder this year. They lost a lot of main starters from the team last year. And you could tell right off the bat they're just developing a new, younger culture with this Dan Muller team this season. And i got to ask you first, you lose to a team like Loyola that comes in 12-4 and on the season. How can the Redbirds bounce back from a game like this? Well, they need to take the positives and the negatives and work on the negatives. There were a lot of turnovers earlier on, which probably made the game a lot closer. I believe after uh, witnessing and seeing a lot of these turnovers that helped Loyola. Loyola had a lot of points off turnovers, and if they uh, would have held on to the ball and controlled the ball better, they probably would have had a better chance of winning. And they just need to move on from this game, learn from their mistakes, and then concentrate on the uh, game that uh, they'll be playing next. Key scores for the Redbirds tonight, it was Malik Yarbrough and Phil Fain. And we saw a lot of play on the guards from the backcourt of the Redbirds. They played pretty well overall. But I think something they talked about on the call for the game tonight was that Loyola just played a lot tougher defense. And, Brian, I think we can see that from the Redbirds' identity under head coach Dan Moore the last few years. They try and play tough D against teams. You know, they try and make teams fight for every single possession they play. And we saw that presented so well last season from this Redbird team that got 28 wins. But... I think the big question tonight, I mean, the Redbirds are still with a solid 9-8 record on the year, 3-2 in Missouri Valley Conference play. That's pretty respective for some of their new pieces. But the big question here is when you're facing tough Missouri Valley Conference competition this season and Loyola just puts better D on you, how does this maybe question Dan Moeller's defensive identity on his Redbird team? Well, I think Loyola did come in with a pretty good resume of victories this year. They've beaten some good teams, so it's no slap against the Redbird for losing to a good quality team like uh, Loyola. But I think if they just get back to basics, try to control the ball, work for that shot, and even though you come up against a good, strong defensive team like Loyola, they also have weaknesses, and it's the coach's responsibility to guide his team 
to find those weaknesses and to preach the basics so that they hold on to the ball and are able to score. And I think the Redbirds, Brian, they're going to be facing Southern Illinois on the road this weekend. And I think just the upcoming matchups for this Redbird men's team are going to be interesting. And the Redbirds are going to look to bounce back from tonight's loss to Loyola Chicago. Again, they fell 68-61 to at Redbird Arena. They will head on the road in Missouri Valley Conference play to Carbondale, Illinois this Saturday with a 5 p.m. tip-off against the Southern Illinois Salukis. Heading into Illinois State women's basketball just to recap their last matchup this past weekend, they fell to the Loyola Ramblers in Chicago, Illinois Sunday, losing 62-59. to And... Brian, we're just going to touch on it briefly here with this women's basketball team for the Redbirds. They're a newer team under head coach Kristen Gillespie, and you could just tell right off the bat that we knew it was going to be an interesting year for them. You know, they're rebuilding, they're just trying to find an identity with their new head coach, and we were talking about it before the show here that it's going to be important for a few of these key pieces to just find their own way and just to mold together as a team, and I think... You were talking about it. One of the key players for the Redbirds this year that you've seen is freshman guard Paige Saylor. So just kind of answer this for me. The Redbird women's team is going to be going into their next matchup against Missouri State this Friday, and they're going to be at home. They're on a three-game losing streak, so if you're the Lady Redbirds, how can they bounce back from a loss against Loyola? Well, the last three games were pretty close. So they've been in the games. They just need to stay focused and concentrate on the next game. Keep working the offense, and Paige Saylor is really helping that, along with the seniors, Hannah Green and Megan Tolbert. But as long as they uh, maintain their focus, and I think their young coach is going to help them in many ways. And the Redbirds will look to bounce back in many ways as they host the Missouri State Bears at Doug Collins Court, this Friday night, 7 p.m. tip-off in Missouri Valley Conference play. Now heading into the college football title game that we just witnessed this past week. And it was Alabama, the Crimson Tide, Brian. We've seen them in numerous title game and playoff matchups the last few years under well-known head coach Nick Saban. And the Georgia Bulldogs, what a Cinderella story this year, as they say. It's just the way we saw this defense and... Whenever I've watched college football, I love to see a solid defense like Georgia. You know, they just come out there. They knew what they were going to get in Alabama, a team that's been there before. But Georgia just went into it with their own mindset. But they fell in overtime 26-23. So I think the big takeaway from this is just kind of what you thought because I think we were talking about it. The game was really interesting, but Georgia just wasn't able to pull away with it. So just give us your thoughts on Alabama's win over Georgia. Well, I think the key is Alabama maintained their presence, uh, their game plan. They stuck to their game plan even though it wasn't working correctly. And they made some adjustments, namely bringing in the freshman quarterback. And he, I believe, gave them a little bit more excitement and enthusiasm. And I think the team fed off that. And the result uh, was obvious, including a pretty... uh, pretty historic touchdown pass in overtime to win the game. I know we had talked about how the defensive coordinator for Georgia was also the defensive coordinator for the Bears in a similar play, which happened against Green Bay, where the safety was beaten 
the same thing happened with the Georgia defense. So I don't know how many people actually realize the, the similarities, but I'm sure Mel yeah. Tucker, I'm sure he remembers it and is probably feeling like he's reliving the nightmare. Yes, it was a very entertaining game. I just have to say, too, I think whenever you see a title game like this so close, a lot of the playoff games have been very close, I think. Just seeing how these teams are playing together, I think just especially Notre Dame over LSU just a week, like two weeks ago in a lot of these bowl games. And just kind of what's your takeaway from this going into next year for college football, this type of competitiveness? Like what do you feel a team that's looking to get into the playoffs more and just find their selves next year and just start off more fresh? How do you think this title game could send a message to those teams for college football next year? Well, I think everybody's looking at the SEC and the major programs like Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, LSU, and they're strong because they play each other and they're quality teams. And Clemson, I don't even forget Clemson. But it all it takes is a team, it could be even like an independent like Notre Dame, that has a quality team, they play quality teams, and then the committee votes them into the playoff system. I know UCF, University of Central Florida, kind of lost out on that, but they didn't play enough quality teams, and therefore, even though they were undefeated, their schedule did not dictate that they play in the playoff. So by experts and by a lot of people, the top teams played each other, and the two top teams played each other for the championship, and I believe it worked out. As we mentioned, Alabama defeated Georgia this past weekend, 26-23. The Georgia Bulldogs held the lead 13-0 in the first half, but Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide were able to pull away with an impressive 26 points in the second half and 6 in overtime. Now heading into professional sports action, starting off with the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears have hired their 16th franchise historic head coach, it is the former Kansas City Chief Offensive Coordinator Matt Nagy is the new head coach of your Chicago Bears. He is a strong offensive mind, very well trained under well-known head coach of the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid. A lot of his assistants are well-known to be solid coaches. And just going into it right now, the Chicago Bears, they're trying to get Vic Fangio to stay on the staff. And it was just reported this afternoon by the Chicago Bears staff Harry Highstad, who was part of the Lovey Smith administration, will be returning to the Chicago Bears from Notre Dame to be the Chicago Bears offensive line coach. So, Brian, what can we hope to see from the Bears' new head coach that will improve this team next year? What can we expect? Well, he's young. He has a lot of enthusiasm. He's coming from a successful program in Kansas City. He was very well trained under the tutelage of Andy Reid, another successful coach. He has a lot of energy, and I believe he has a plan in mind to put together a good staff that will help educate the young players and also groom Mitch Trubisky and hopefully make him all that he can be help him to become the Pro Bowl quarterback that Pace would like him to be. And I think we were talking about it yesterday, just you know, seeing the press conference of the Chicago Bears, introducing Matt Nagy and some of Ryan Pace's comments to the fans from the, and the organization. But you see this energy in Ryan Pace. When he comes to Chicago three years ago, you know he wanted to do something with this team that just 
they had an identity before, but they had to find themselves again. And you see the Bears, they did this with the defense. The offense is going to look to try and match up to where the defense is at in Chicago. And you see Matt Nagy at the podium. And we, we know what we would see from John Fox, the usual energy we get from him. But I think just seeing this press conference yesterday with the Chicago Bears and meeting the new head coach, I think he's just really impressive already to some of the fans that are looking for an answer on offense. You know, you have a new quarterback, receiver troubles, a good run game, an O-line that could use some more non-injury prone starters. And I think this Bears team will hopefully be in the right track. But just a closing question. There's still some holes in this coaching staff Matt Nagy's trying to feature next year that will hopefully help the Bears. They're going to need an offensive coordinator. There's still no word officially on whether Vic Fangio will come back to the Bears. So that still leaves you open with needing a defensive and offensive coordinator. What coach possibilities do you think the Bears could use to fill Matt Nagy's staff? Well, during his press conference, I I don't know of the names that he's looking for. He didn't really get specific when he was being interviewed, but he did talk to the question of what kind of people he would like on his staff. He did specify that you can't have people that have the same mindset, the same views. He would rather have people on his staff that have different views to help better the program, help better the team. He would like some experienced people. He would like some new people. So there's a lot of choices. I know he really, he's already made a couple of them. I believe he is pursuing some of them. Some of them may also be on playoff teams, so he can't really mention those those uh, coaches yet. So it may take a while. It may take a while for the playoff teams to make it to the Super Bowl or to be eliminated and then we'll probably hear more of those names. But I'm sure he has an idea, and he's ready to work the plan that he has in place. As we mentioned, the Chicago Bears hire new head coach Matt Nagy, hopefully to not just continue to build the Bears' identity defensively, but especially offensively. We will keep you posted here on Will's Fifth Quarter Special as to the continued developments of the new Matt Nagy era, his new coach hirings for the Chicago Bears, and more Chicago Bears coming up as the offseason continues. Now going into Chicago Bulls action. The Chicago Bulls tonight just defeated the now 19-22 and record New York Knicks in double overtime with a score of 122-119. to I think we were talking about it this afternoon, Brian. The Chicago Bulls, they're in a rebuild and they have some question marks still, even though they're doing what people expected this year, trying to, quote, as the NBA teams would say, tank mode and just try and be competitive for fans in the city of Chicago. But I think this win just sends another question mark to the the Bulls fans. And, I mean, the Knicks and Bulls are both not in the win columns completely like a lot of the teams in the East right now. But just a question to you about this matchup. The Bulls are trying to rebuild, trying to tank for a top draft pick. How could this win possibly prevent that? Well, that's an interesting way of putting it, tanking. The players are still being paid to play. And the only way you can really tank it is by putting your worst players out there. And that, that's not how the coach would do it. That's not what the players would like. And definitely that's not what the fans would like that pay the tickets or the price for the tickets to go to the games. Tanking is, uh, the only way they could really tank is if they get rid of all their good players. If they get rid of Miritich and if they get rid of Lopez. And then they're coming from behind as opposed to winning in overtime. So it 
it's interesting. You, it's a catch-22. You want to have high draft picks. You want to build the team in the draft. But you also want to help your current players mature and grow and become better players. And it's difficult to tank or to lose a game if those players are actually doing very well. And the Chicago Bulls, as Brian mentioned, they are trying to make moves right now to lower their chances of winning and try and tank this season. Nikola Mirotic is now being targeted by three NBA teams, one including the division rival Detroit Pistons, the Utah Jazz being the bigger ticket right now where Mirotic wants to go, followed by the Portland Trailblazers. We have not heard any word yet on any trade destinations for Robin Lopez, but we will keep you posted on both players and their trade discussions with teams as things move forward for the Bulls. So just a closing statement here, Zach Levine, Brian, we just read it this evening, is going to be debuting with the Chicago Bulls for the first time this Saturday against the Detroit Pistons at the United Center Saturday night. So just your opinion on it. He's coming back from an injury that we saw Derrick Rose have a few years ago, an ACL injury. Scares Bulls fans a little bit there after the Butler trade to hear that. But he just came back so well to get to this point, Levine did. I think they talked about his progression as a young player and wanting to be part of this Bulls culture. I mean, they're still rebuilding, yes, but I think there's a lot of good energy with this Hoiberg team. So how could Zach Levine, like, what do you expect in his debut this Saturday against the Pistons? Well, they're going to limit him in minutes from what I heard, so you won't see him that much. I believe what you will see of him, I've heard that he is a quality defender, which is what the Bulls really need. Their defense is lacking, to say the least and maybe provide a spark on offense, hopefully to help control the ball, eliminate some of the turnovers which kill their offense, and hopefully, you know, stay healthy. And the Chicago Bulls will debut Zach Levine, the star piece that was featured in the Jimmy Butler trade this past offseason on draft day that sent Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and the draft pick that got the Bulls a future piece for their team's future in Laurie Markkinen. They will host the Detroit Pistons this Saturday night, 7 p.m. tip-off from the United Center. Now heading into the well-known segment on Will's fifth quarter special, it's Will's sports movie moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the movies we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my co-host, and the listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and try and compare it to modern-day sports. Listeners can hop on to the Will's 5th Quarter Special podcast Facebook page and post their own sports movie moment favorites where they have the chance to have theirs featured on the show coming up. I will start, and Brian, you will follow after me. I think one that's going to be really relevant with fans this week is going to relate to Chicago Bears. It's the movie Draft Day. Now, a lot of people aren't too knowledgeable on this movie it stars kevin costner you see him very prevalent in sports movies past and future it's a scene that just carries out towards the ending of the movie you know he's getting ready for the draft and he's the gm of the cleveland browns in this one and i think it's just really interesting the way he goes about it i mean he's a gm for one of the worst teams in the league he's taken advantage of to get a first pick from the Seattle Seahawks, and you could tell that Tom Michaels, the GM of the Seahawks at the time, was trying to pull an easy one off him because he was desperate. His team was trying to get better, and I think the part of the movie that really gets me, he's talking to his girlfriend, who's uh, the salary cap manager, and 
she's asking him, why do you want to pick, like, why do you want to pick this player? He wants to try and pick Vontae Mack. A little spoiler there for movie fans, sorry about that, but he, he wants to pick a certain player. You could tell he's a little bit discouraged about it because his staff doesn't support him. They want him to take a quarterback, but he says something that's real interesting. It's his first pick with this team, a team his dad coached prior, and he says it's based on character for him. He wants to pick a player that could help his team the right way, not just statistically, not just by being the best out of the draft, but a character player. And I think that's pretty relevant with the Bears in the sense of how they hired Matt Nagy, how they chose to pick Matt Nagy to be their head coach. I think that just gives a lot of respect, and I don't think Bears fans would agree with me, but... I think Ted Phillips, McCaskey, and Ryan Pace together. It wasn't just Ryan Pace that put this together to get Matt Nagy. I think it was a team effort with the Bears, but they gave Pace the control. And I think Pace and Sonny Weaver, Kevin Costner's character, match well. And they found the character guy, and I hope it pays off for the Bears. So that's going to be my movie moment. Brian, what do you have for us tonight? Well, my movie moment is a baseball movie. I really like the baseball movies from uh, Pride of the Yankees all the way up to uh, Major League. One of my favorite movies is For the Love of the Game, again, with Kevin Costner. He's a pitcher for the uh, Detroit Tigers, and he's pretty much in his last game before retirement. And he pitches a, uh, a perfect game, I guess, spoiler. But through the game, there's a lot of flashbacks to his life, to his struggles, overcoming injury, and... You just witness in the movie how he shows his emotion and his love for the game of baseball. And it's evident in the players from the other team that used to be on his squad. And it's evident from his current players and also the catcher that's only on the staff because of him. And if you compare that sort of passion for the game and love of the game to uh, today's world... There are a few players that are there to play the game, just to play the game for fun. I know I'm not a Cubs fan, but I know there's quite a few players on the team from last year that felt that way. Um, I believe his name, what was his name, Ross? David um, Ross, David Ross and Chris Bryant. And... All right, but uh, so players like that, that just are out there, Sure, they're getting paid. Sure, they're getting paid well because it's a, a rarity to be able to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball or throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But I believe there's still a few quality players out there that just basically love the game. I know on the White Sox you have players like Abreu, players like the second baseman Sanchez, and the rookies that come up. You could see their passion for the game and their enthusiasm. And so hopefully players like that, even though they will find success even though they will find a greater income through free agency that they maintain that love of the game as opposed to the love of money and realize that they're just playing a kid's game and they're getting paid for it. That's definitely a very important movie, Brian, for fans to check out. That was for the love of the game. And your other Will Sports Movie Moment choice for this week was Draft Day. So as I mentioned before, listeners... You can post your favorite sports movie moment of your own on the podcast Facebook page, and the best one will be featured each week. We want to get you guys involved with the show. That'll be all the time we have in Episode 4 of Will's 5th Quarter Special. Tune in next time as we will touch on Illinois State men's basketball, followed with more Chicago pro sports action. 
touching on your Chicago Bears, seeing where their coaching staff goes, getting you up to date on the Bulls and any other Chicago sports action taking place. We will follow that up as well with Will's Sports Movie Moment. Reach out to us on Will's Fifth Quarter Special Facebook page and on our website, contact me page, at williamdfarlow.weebly.com. I want to thank our guest co-host, Brian Farlow, for joining me in what was a fun 30-minute talking sports, so thank you, Brian, for joining us once again. You're welcome, Will. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host, Will Farlow, and my guest co-host, Brian Farlow, saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special.